This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. For years, I was so fed up with shampoo, I just stopped washing my hair. I quit completely. I was so sick of poofy, frizzy, limp hair, distorting my natural oils. Until a few months ago, I found modern mammals and it changed everything. And by the way, right now you can visit modernmammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. So check that out. So look, I heard about this through the podcast and before I agreed to advertise, they sent it to me and I was reluctant. But let me tell you, I should not have been. This stuff is absolutely magical. My hair felt better, smelled way better, and most importantly, looked better. And I know it will do the same for you as well. It doesn't have those hair-ruining chemicals like other products, and it doesn't leave any leftover residues. It works. Don't believe me? Go read their awesome reviews online as well. Go to ModernMammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. Again, that's ModernMammals.com for 10% off with promo code LSS. Don't forget to use our promo code LSS so they know we sent you. Hello, everybody. My name is Shane Told. Welcome to another episode of my podcast, Lead Singer Syndrome, a show where I talk to other lead singers about what it's like to be the front man or front woman of a professional rock and roll band. And this week, great show with a true pro, Mr. John Henry of Darkest Hour. Uh, what is Darkest Hour? Is Darkest Hour a metal band, a metal core band, a punk band? Uh, what are they? I think they're a punk band. We talk about it in the interview. I think they are very much a punk band. I love Darkest Hour. I've loved them for the better part of like 15, 16, 17 years. They are awesome. I'm really, really stoked to talk to John on his ride uh, from Los Angeles to Las Vegas in a van. Thank you very much for bearing with me last week. I actually took a week off on Easter. It was lovely. I spent some time with my band. Uh, we were on tour with Good Charlotte. That just wrapped up. Um, I'm pleased to say Good Charlotte, terrific people. The Madden brothers were really nice. They went out of their way to take care of us. It was a really fun tour. Thanks to everybody in Canada that came out to the shows. Up next, I have my solo tour with River Oaks which is starting in the middle of May. I start in Chicago on May 10th, Las Vegas on May 12th, Anaheim on May 13th, San Diego on May 14th, and Los Angeles on May 15th. RiverOaksMusic.com, we got VIP. We have regular general admission tickets. They're like 13 bucks. So please go to there. Please buy a ticket, support me. Uh, it really does mean a lot and I will be hanging out at the shows to talk, if you guys want to come up and say, hey, I love your podcast, or you're a loser, I hate your show, whatever you want to do, come say hi. It will be so much fun. I love doing solo shows. After that, Silverstein will be going to South America, and right after that, Warp Tour, baby. The whole damn thing. Warp Tour has a great lineup this year. I'm excited because... I think I'm going to be talking to a lot of people on Warp Tour for this podcast. So uh, have a look at the list. Tell me what you guys think. 
uh, who I should talk to that's on this year's Vans Warp Tour. Uh, VansWarpTour.com, if you're looking for what the band lineup is, you guys should definitely go check it out. And then, of course, you can get in touch with me very easily. Uh, Twitter is a great way. It's at Lead Singer Sin, S Y N. We're on Instagram, at Lead Singer Syndrome. I have a Snapchat, which is Real Shane Told. I know it's a bit of a douchey handle. And, of course, we have old fashioned email, which is Lead Singer Syndrome at gmail.com. Feel free to get in touch. Also, if you're a super fan of the show, if one episode a week is not enough for you, we do have the All Access Club, which was launched a few months back. It's going awesome. We have like almost 200 members now. We have this Facebook group. Everyone's hanging out on there. It's a really great community. Uh, and it's as little as $6 a month to join. You get all this exclusive bonus content. You get to watch me do a Q&A every month. I actually just did one today. You get a bunch of stuff in the mail, including a little sign thingy for me. And if you're interested in Lead Singer Syndrome merchandise, the only way to get it is through the All Access Club. So check it out. It's leadsingersyndrome.com slash all access. Also, summer's coming. Summer may be even here for you, depending on where you live. If you're going to be doing any shopping at all online, if you're going to be on Amazon, if you're going to be buying some new patio furniture, I don't know, a new barbecue, whatever it is, Amazon's got it. So please, if you're going to use Amazon, I just ask that you use the Amazon affiliate link. Um, how it works is you just go to leadsingersyndrome.com slash Amazon. It takes you right to the Amazon homepage. You log in as normal and anything you buy on there, we get four to six percent and it costs you absolutely nothing. I don't know why they do it, but it's pretty sweet for me and it really does help us keep the lights on. So between that and the All Access Club, that is how we keep this thing going week after week. Well, almost every week. <laughs> Anyways, thanks for the love. Thanks for the support. Let's jump in to my conversation with John Henry of Darkest Hour. Dude, so hey, uh, I'm here with Mr. John Henry of Darkest Fucking Hour. Uh, how's your day going, man? Uh, pretty damn good. I'm um, I'm on the road to Las Vegas, actually. Oh, perfect. Are you now? Yeah. I know you live in in California now. Um, are you like a Vegas person? Because some people I are am, not pe Vegas people. I am not a Vegas person. <laughs> uh, I would say far from it but it's really close and um i have another band i do out here so we're doing a little day trip out to rock a concert and party a little bit well not really a concert more like a house show but you know. <laughs> a concert it's all Concert's it's all such a, a funny word right perspective people are, you know people are like are you going to the darkest hour concert man it's like uh has darkest hour ever really played a concert it's more kind of like always just a punk rock show no matter what of you course know? Uh, I always like that word concert. It implies like I don't know. I I picture like a classical artist or something. You know what I mean? We like to throw it around the van to make ourselves feel special. I like that. You know? Yes, the concert. Yes, tonight, this evening, we're performing. Mm -hmm. That's cool. No, so you're in the van right now? Um, yeah, I'm in my car. Oh, cool, cool. This is yeah. perfect. Great. No, it's yeah. uh, it's nice to have you, man. Um, first time on the show. 
And uh, I've been a big fan of your work for a very, very long time. Uh, it's funny. I remember the first time I saw your band. Uh, well, I don't even know if if your first record had come out yet. And you played a show um, here in Canada, in Oakville, Ontario. And uh, yeah, it was it was kind of a, a eye opening experience for me, actually, like as a fan of of, you know, of hardcore and metal and punk rock because I never really uh, I never really heard a band marry it quite like you guys did. You know, and I obviously yeah, love kind of our holy trinity, you know. Yeah, I know. It's, and it's such a cool thing. Yeah. And, you know, I loved at the gates, you know, and I loved metal and stuff, but I'd never seen anyone put like a sort of punk rock like non-serious twist on it before until you guys fucking hey man wait where'd you say o oakton oak uh it was oakville ontario canada my hometown oakville was that like in like kind of a large hall or something you know it i used to think it was a large hall <laughs> it probably holds about 250 people but uh yeah uh -huh. no absolutely it wasn't a hall it was like attached to an arena and uh, I cannot remember who you guys played with. All the shows from that period of time, they kind of all, you know, just meld together in my mind. But I do remember your your um, your show, and I remember we'd just gotten to sign. We I don't know if we'd gotten signed to Victory yet, uh, if Silverstein had. But uh, I remember our drummer got your shirt, and he wore it in our very first music video. So there oh, you go. You're in, you're in Silverstein. I, you yes, I am. I am the singer for Silverstein. Hell yeah! I love that that uh, we, we, you know they tell you this stuff. It's great. No, no one tells me anything, dude. And, <laughs> and I, I honestly, I prefer it that way. It's I like to be surprised. It's totally fine. I, I had the same thing happen. I had uh, Dennis from Refused on the show, and like I'm a huge Refused fan, and we did it in person, like on the back of his bus, and um, they were playing in Toronto, like right this venue that's right by the airport, and it was the only time I had to do it. I had to like do the interview, and I had to go right to the airport, and I was flying to Australia to go on a tour and I said to him I'm like uh after the interview was done I was like thanks man I'm actually going to the airport right now he's like he's like oh really where are you going I'm going Australia he goes that's crazy I was like yeah yeah you know my band's playing he goes oh you're in a band <laughs> like yeah <laughs> we've been talking for like 75 minutes you know that's amazing <laughs> it's it is super funny so no no yes I I um yeah I'm I'm the singer for Silverstein and uh uh yeah like ex-label mates uh, you Hell know, yeah. from the Victory Records days. Worst label on earth. Oh, damn. You're just going right out with it. That's, uh, <laughs> no, you know, I I'll tell you, man, I have, I've had a lot of bands from Victory, uh, front man on the show, and most people actually are pretty, uh, diplomatic, I guess is the word. So uh, for you to throw it out there like that and really state your, state your mind, I, I appreciate that. I don't give a fuck, dude. I'm, yeah. I'm 37 years old, man. You I'm know? 36. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm not. Uh, I've always been really bad at, uh, you know, you know, not saying what I feel. So, 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 walk me through this. Like, obviously, obviously, Victory was the label that gave you, you know, your start. Uh, they sold some records for you. They did some stuff for you. Um, you did you guys complete your your contract and move on? How did that work? We're we're one of the few um, bands that completed a victory contract, yes. We also did. Uh, five albums. Damn. Yeah, ten years, baby. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I guess you don't have any contact Still with Still haven't seen a royalty check. Nothing, ever? <laughs> nope. 
Wow. That's crazy, isn't it? Five records. And this uh, hundreds thing, of thousands of units sound scanned, you know? Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. Not one penny. So maybe, maybe someday we'll like, you know, get something from that. I don't know. Not that it's all about the money or anything, you know, but Well, it's nice to be able to, you know, eat on tour and stuff, you know. It's nice to have a place to live. I don't know, you know, these are requirements. Yeah. Not dying is not not dying is pretty sick, dude. <laughs> yeah. Definitely, you know, man. Like feeding yourself, feeding yourself is pretty tight. Tight, yeah. definitely tight, definitely tight. Yeah, yeah. it's funny. I, I um, no, it's, it's cool, man. I, and those days, like when you look back on those days, uh, with Tony and everything. Did you talk to Tony anymore? Do what? Do you talk to Tony anymore? Oh hell no. He- He'll he'll like email with Mike every once in a while when we have to do some business. But I haven't talked to him in forever. He refuses to talk to our manager too and stuff. It's yeah, it's it's, it's a it's a whole mess, you know. Yeah, I'm sure you heard about not the, the way it should be. I'm sure you heard about the data remember lawsuit. Uh, they got like four million bucks from Victory. Did you hear about that? I did hear about that. I think there was a few other. Few bands got some pretty substantial settlements. Oh, I, I, I haven't heard of any other ones. I thought there was a couple other ones. Oh. Do you know? Um, which, do you know who? I thought BT Bams sued them or something at some point, or maybe uh, they just. I think I they. Forget, I think BT Bam between the buried and me for people that aren't in the know. Uh, I think they were able to get out of their deal. I'm not sure exactly because they had members that weren't in the band anymore or something like that. That's. That's what I heard, but I could be I could be totally making that making that all. Up I also thought that like I thought that like taking the taking back Sundays and the I thought they I thought they uh and like Hawthorne Heights and stuff I thought they all sued him too at some point. Yeah, I, they did. I don't know. I don't really know what happened with those with those. They were kind of kept under wraps, but I don't know. We never did. We we went through the whole. We did four <laughs> records, uh, and we did it, and we moved on, and we're still around, and that's. That's kind of a cool thing, I think, is like, you know, your band has survived, you know, this ever-changing music industry, ever-changing, you know, what's trendy in heavy music, and you guys are still there, you're still doing it, you're playing a show right now, you just got back from a tour, you guys have a record that just came out. Uh, What's the recipe there for success? Like, what what do you guys think it, you can chalk it up to? I mean, I'm not really sure what the what the recipe is. I think it's I think it's just a matter of, you know, if you're really into uh music as like an art form and it's what drives you and what what you're passionate about, you know, you you'll do it for the rest of your life, you know, and what, you know, there's a lot of things that I think break bands apart, you know, when you are a band and you see a bunch of like up and coming bands you know, blow up. First, they're opening up for you, and then they're like playing arenas and stuff. And right. that that can like, you know, if I, I me personally, I've never ever music as any kind of a competition. It's yeah. always just been about you know doing our thing and uh, creating our shit. And if people like it, if they like it, if they don't, they don't. You know. Um, but I think a lot of people aren't like that, and it's really, and you know, even me. Even even me saying I've never been competitive, of course, there's been times where I've been like, God damn, this 
this shitty ass band got big fuck <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i mean you know this, yeah. it definitely gets you but um, i mean like i said it's not it's not a competition and if you if you don't view it as a competition if you just view it as what it is which is an art form and then that you want to do Absolutely. Do it for the rest of your life, no matter no matter what. You, you know, know it started happening to me a while ago, probably you too, where there's like a band and they're blowing up and you're like, yeah, whatever, not really into it, but they're getting huge. And then you just kind of know that it's going to last for a couple years and then it's going to fall apart and you're still going to be where you're at. Has, has, that, yeah. has that happened to you now where you're kind of like, you can kind of just shake your head and walk away and be like, we're going to do the same thing. And you know what? In five years, we're still going to be playing the same venues we've been playing for the last whatever amount of years. We're still going to have people coming out. And this band is going to be lucky if anyone gives a fuck. Like that, that, whole, that whole idea now is like almost makes me, and I'm going to sound like a dick saying this, but it almost makes me kind of smile in a way now when I'm like, yeah. oh yeah, <laughs> your, your band's so fucking big and you're so popular and you don't want to bring my band on tour because we're too old. Well, guess what? Yeah. In five years, no one's going to give a fuck about you. I don't say it out loud. Oh, yeah. But it's it happens, you know? And I'm sure... Oh, it, no, I mean, it's... Yeah, go ahead. It's, it's inevitable when it's inevitable when something, you know, has such a fast, steep rise that, you know, some yeah. of it is going to have a pretty brutal crash. I mean, we we were... We saw the whole metalcore thing happen. Um, you know, I mean, we we were like metalcore before metalcore you know like when right. when it was like you know integrity and converge and botch a dead guy and all that awesome stuff and mm -hmm. um and then this whole metalcore thing happened and then it kind of blew up and then it kind of died out and then we saw this whole like deathcore thing kind of blow up and that seems to be somewhat you know i mean it's like uh these things you know everything's cyclical and stuff comes and goes it'll probably be i mean there's like uh you know now in la one of the biggest things going is the is the emo dance night you know what i'm saying of course <laughs> yeah of course there's the clubs just playing you know records of thousands of screamo so yeah no i know it's you it's, know i don't really know where i'm going with it but yeah yeah it's you know with you guys um being just basically being a punk band i always thought you guys were a punk band that played metal, if that makes any sense at all. Just the way you guys operate, the like amount of humor you guys have in your shows and your videos and your like online, you know, presence. Um, and that you just have this no bullshit kind of thing. I mean, I that's what I think is the reason you guys have been able to stick it out for so long. Not not only not only just putting out great record after great record, but I think that people see through that bullshit, especially older fans. And I think that that really is something that's kept you guys around. Well, I think you nailed it. You know, we are, we are, you know, at least Mike and I, we, you know, we grew up in the, in the DC punk hardcore scene. You know, it was, I, I didn't even really discover metal to be honest till after, you know, till I was like 17 or something. I was already super into punk rock and hardcore. Right. Yeah. I didn't really grow up listening to Metallica, Megadeth and stuff. I grew up listening to like, Nirvana, Smashing Pumpkins and stuff. Then got into punk, then got into hardcore. And so the metal that I got into was, you know, Carcass, At the Gates. Right. You know, Entombed, Dismember, all this kind of, you know, a little bit later stuff. So I think that's, 
But at the same time, you had Mike who grew up listening to like Pantera in, you know, rock, ACDC, all that stuff. But um, also he transitioned to like punk, punk hardcore and then went back into like more extreme metal. So, but we definitely have that, you know, that's definitely our, our roots. And yeah, I think, you know, it, it, uh, you can tell in a lot of different ways. I mean, you know, when you come on tour with us, we're not like, you know, oh shit. You know, if you tour with metal bands, they're like, okay, they take the dressing room. They don't give you shit, you know? Yeah. Like, you, you know, you're like sitting out in the parking lot, you know, while we're like, fuck it. This is, this is a show. This is, you know, like everybody's, all the bands should be welcome to the same shit. You know what I mean? But you know, it's funny. Like you talk about the, you earlier talked about the jealousy thing that exists between bands. Like typically in metal, it's the worst. Like everyone's trying to outdo everyone else. Like, you know what I mean? It's like I know you guys did like Ozfest. Like some of the shit that goes on on those tours is like just it's just terrible, you know. And people are not cool. And people can be are fucking dicks in some of these, you know, in some of those bigger metal bands just because they didn't grow up with punk rock, you know. Yeah. Uh, did you guys ever have any run-ins with with those bands? Like, because I know you you know you guys did some pretty big metal tours. I mean, we've had plenty of shit, you know, we've had, uh, you know, we, we, we've, we've done, we, we started doing metal tours with like, uh, I guess our first metal tour was like destruction or something in 2000. And, and, uh, it was a totally different world for us. You know, yeah. it was the first time, first time we'd seen a tour bus, you know, <laughs> first, just first time for so much shit, you know, um, and just seeing how it operated was very different, you know, like the, Oh, you know, you roll into the club and, uh, the bands set up and they're like, well, you know, this is where all our shit is, you know, <laughs> figured out. And so that, that's often like meaning you play on the floor. Whereas like, right. When we do a tour, it's, uh, very much the opposite. We just try to make it, we make everything work for everybody to make everyone show cool. Yeah. I know. So, I know. Yeah. It's, it's a different mentality, you know, I think, and I, again, I just think it stems from, from where you grow up, you know, and, and what your influences were and, you know, what the scene was like. And, I mean, yeah, Washington D.C. Rich history of punk rock, hardcore. Not really a huge metal scene. Am I wrong when no. I say that? No, you're not. It, there really, uh, there really wasn't. Um, there were, you know, there. It was, it was. I think the, the punk hardcore community was just so big there. There wasn't like much. I think you know a lot of metal shows would go to Baltimore. They were having a, you know, kind of a more thriving uh they've always seemed to have kind of a more thriving metal scene than yeah. dc always did um but then you know when 2000s or so it all kind of just merged together you know and you ended up having all the you know like now it like it is nowadays but a little you know nowadays you'll see all kinds of kids at a show you know all kinds of i mean you know all kinds of heavy music fans you know see sure sure and it, it started whereas it's, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and it's just kind of all come to melt together, which which I personally really appreciate, you know. Yeah, I think so. It's funny, like, I remember seeing, like, Lamb of God, you know, at Hellfest, uh, which is, you know, like a hardcore festival, basically. And then all of a sudden, they're one of the biggest metal bands, you know, in the world. Um, it's kind of crazy, you know, that, that those kinds of things can happen and the lines get so blurred between, oh, yeah? between styles of music. And I don't even know what Lamb of God is anymore. I used to think of them... 
kind of like you know metalcore before it was metalcore in a way kind of like you were you were talking about a little bit with those things uh-huh. but i guess they were a little bit different and you know it's it's just it's you know we could talk all day about that shit and it, it is interesting um but what to me is most interesting about talking to you is just that you guys have 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 done it for this long still thriving uh you guys just got back from a u.s tour with uh with other you know victory alumni ringworm supporting you guys uh how how was that tour it was awesome man it was uh it was really sick the 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 package was really great we got like a really really bunch of like awesome bands together um we had a we had rotten sound from um finland was really just mind-blowing like cool classic you know brutal stuff um we had a rivers of nile who's a Kind of a newer band with a little more of like an epic death metal-y sound. Um, and uh, we had, uh, damn it, <laughs> what were they called? Uh, now I'm now I'm an asshole. Hey, you're 37 years old. You can't remember Tomb. every band you tour with anymore. We Come had on. Tombs on the tour. <laughs> Tombs on the tour, which was, was sick. Doing some pretty like black metal-y stuff. And, nice. Uh, cool. And then, yeah, Ringworm, you know. We've been playing shows on and off with Ringworm throughout the years. So yeah, it was a uh, it was it was a great great group of great group of people, uh, um, and just yeah yeah super great tour man like. And how's it been on your? Just it kind of flew by. Yeah, man. And how's it been on your voice? Uh, you know, doing this band now for like basically like twenty years. Uh, how how is it on your voice? Has it taken a toll on your voice? You sound fine when you speak. You don't sound raspy at all. Uh, you know, this is the Lead Singer Syndrome podcast, so we talk about uh, singing sometimes and screaming. Uh, how's that been for you? Do you ever have trouble? Um, I, I don't really lose my voice too much anymore. If I do, if I lose my voice nowadays, it's it's not usually due to screaming. It's due to, like, not sleeping enough and partying too much or something, <laughs> you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, um I used to lose it all the time and I think you can kind of hear you know if you listen to the older uh DH records like I basically would get in the studio and scream as hard as I physically could you know what I mean yeah like till I was like you know about to puke and stuff <laughs> and uh and it it oddly like made my voice a little high pitched you know yeah and around the deliver us area era um i kind of like working with Devin Townsend. He, he was really kind of key in helping me uh learn to control my voice a little bit because you know i never really you know he, he made me realize that when you when you don't push as hard you know you can have way more of a range you know or actually have a range you know whereas before yeah. it was just like that, 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 you know like one monotone kind of thing so yeah you guys worked with so many different producers some like actually pretty big names um working with different producers obviously like you know producers you work with they work with people that are singers they work with people that are screamers everything in between what were some of the best producers you worked with and did they were they able to help you with your voice um yeah i think you know i think devin devin townsend was that was certainly like that was kind of like my first, uh, um, you know, I 
kind of real, you know, just becoming aware of, of my voice. He was the guy that kind of, you know, like I, like I was saying earlier, who kind of taught me how to control my voice. So, um, mm-hmm. so he stood out as, you know, a really big impact. Um, but I mean, you, you know, you take, you take something away from every producer you work with, you know, and, sure. um, I, I learned, I, you know, I learned lots of stuff from every single one, you know, and some of that is, some of that I learned was not, what not to do, you know, and, uh, that's crucial part of learning as well, you know? Exactly. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's good to like, I think it's good to go around and find, you know, your ideal producer. You know, I think we really, with the current lineup and the current sound and everything, I think we really kind of, uh, nailed it with getting Kurt Ballou to do it. Sure. Um, and, uh, I think that was really kind of like a perfect union because he, you know, we're, we're an older band. We kind of know what we want on some level, but we want, we still want someone's input sonically and, you know, to some point songwritery, but you know, we, we more like we have the, we're cool. We got the songs, you know, like we just need someone to record it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, Kurt Ballou is amazing and like, obviously all the work Converge has done for so long has been incredible. Um, you know, but your you know, your guitar player, Mike, he's a producer too. How come he doesn't produce your records? Uh, I mean, he always does. He does like, we do pre-production and stuff with him. And, um, you know, he kind of, he ends up kind of co-producing it, you know, like, right. you know, the new record, I think it says produced by Kurt Blue and Darkest Hour. Right. Should probably just say produced by Kurt Blue and Mike Schleibong because yeah. he's <laughs> more, he's always been the guy that, you know, the organized guy, you know, the business guy and the sure. organized guy. So, um, I think, you know, he, he probably doesn't, he probably likes getting someone else's input just like anybody else would, you know? Yeah, no, I totally get it. I, I think, yeah. I mean, you know, like I, I do some recording and stuff too. I'm, I've, you know, produced like two demos, <laughs> but, um, you know, but I don't, uh, I wouldn't want to record myself. You know, it's, 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 you don't, you know, it's, it's never the same as having someone to like bounce shit right off of, you know? Totally. There's and that. There's, yeah, go ahead. And, you know, there's just, you know, Mike knows that Kurt has more experience with all this stuff too. So it's, you gotta, you know, you have to like be able to let, you know, let your guard up and, and let people, you know, get the best, get what they think is the best sound out of you, you know? No, I think so. And I think not only that, another thing people don't talk about is just how a producer manages, you know, the personalities in a band too. You know, he's got to kind of be everyone's friend, you know, and, and allow people to get along. Because, you know, there's always like going to be some arguments uh, or you know, at least heated discussions at, at worst uh, about what, you know, oh, how should this part go or how should this screaming pattern be? Or, you know, do these lyrics make sense or, you know, whatever. Like that's always going to happen with any band. So that's a big Absolutely. part of the producer. I mean, so if when your producer's yeah, in the band, it's a lot harder. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that is another, that's a very crucial, you're right, that's a very crucial producer role is to be like a tiebreaker, an outside, you know, mm-hmm. an outside opinion. You, even if you, you know, if you have a couple people in the band that things should go one way and a couple people that things should go, that go the other way, yeah. you know, you no. say, all right, Kurt, Kurt, what do you think? 
Mm-hmm. Uh, this, he, I think this, and then, okay, problem solved. Yeah, totally, yeah. totally. Well, the other thing too is, um, um, well, I'm sorry, uh, not to, to rephrase. The other question I have for you is, you know, working with all these different producers and being a screamer, like I was just in the studio with, with my band doing some screaming yesterday. And I find like, I, do you do like a whole passage of a song when you record? Do you go like, do you take like a part and do a verse? Do you do you do it like line by line? Like, how do you generally do? I've done I've done it pretty much every way imaginable, but the way I do it now, um, and and my favorite way to do it is to do as much as possible in one take. You know, yeah. And um, and almost you know most of the songs on the new record are they're not one take at all, but they're you know it's it'll. But I do as much as I can in, in one take. You know, um. And I just think it it sounds a little more natural, you know. Like I've, we've we've had records where they just copy and paste the shit, and yeah, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it just doesn't. I don't know. It just sounds. You get you know you. It sounds like it's copy and pasted. You know what I mean? It, it doesn't sound as real. Doesn't sound as it doesn't have the emotion. You know, of no. like slight. You know, flex, reflections or or inflections in your voice or whatever. You know, so. Um, uh, what was the question? <laughs> no, that, that's that was the question. How do you do the? You know, how do you break up? You know, when you do a song in, in the studio? Because I I, oh. I find the same thing. Yeah, I don't I don't really know. And you know, the other thing too with screaming is like yeah, you can, like with singing and a lot of times these days in recording, you know, you'll copy a chorus. Like a, every almost every band does this. They'll sing a chorus, and if the chorus is good, they'll just copy it to the the second chorus and the third chorus. Um, that's very common. But I find with screaming, it's like each scream is so unique. Like there's True. always a little way, the breathing's always a little different in the way that like the plosives come out and the, there's like, you know, there's these little things. I find you, you're right. Like when you try to copy and paste one screaming part to another, it sounds so mechanical because there really is a lot of character. Like screaming is all character. There's no, there's no pitch. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, for the most part. So mm. that, that is a, uh, that is an interesting point. Yeah. It's uh I, you know, like I said, I've, we've done that before, and that's one of the things I learned that I don't like. You know, and on, on the new record, there's no copying, and pasting whatsoever. Yeah, no. it's all. So that's that's the way I foresee it. Uh, you know, to keep going in the future. Yeah, I think I think you're absolutely right, man. The other thing too, like you, you brought up something earlier that I wanted to address, like about how you used to scream really high and really hard. Back in those days, you know, everybody was trying to be like at the gates. Uh, everybody had this like sort of higher screaming approach. I feel, and I feel like the lower screaming, at least th- at the time you were, I guess you're making your first couple records, it kind of like wasn't cool. Do you remember that when like the low guttural stuff was kind of lame, and then yeah, it sort I mean, of became more and more in fashion a little bit, like. Yeah, like that, you know, I think I think Black Dahlia was kind of a pioneer of bringing that more you know i always i always say that like i always feel like a strong kinship with those guys because they're very very similar to us you know like Mm -hmm. uh sure um especially their personalities brian and trevor you know brian and trevor came from the like the hardcore scene just like mike and i did yeah and i feel like they like basically we went the more at the gates route and they went the more carcass route Mm -hmm. (laughs) is always how i've like seen that you know and um but yeah, it's. I guess it. 
it, yeah, there wasn't too many. Yeah, there wasn't too many like super low growly stuff back then. I mean, no, there was all there was always the you know cannibal corpses and these sides and you know morbid angels doing it the whole time or whatever. But as far as in the like, you know, I know core hardcore yeah. scene or whatever yeah. you want to call it. Um, yeah, you're right. There was kind of, I think I think Black Dolly kind of like pioneered that using that, you know. Yeah, totally. And they do it amazingly. I mean, they're one of my favorite. They're one of my favorites. So. They're, they're awesome, man. They're awesome. Um, yeah, like, I I remember the first time I, I think the first time I heard your band, or not the first time, but one of the first times you had a video where you actually recorded your video of you guys playing in a, in your own van, uh, which is... Oh, yeah, that was which, our first video. That's your first video, which I love the idea. It's one of my favorite things. Mm. Um, I don't know if you remember it or whatever, and if anyone's seen it. I just always thought it was hilarious and a great way... To make a video, probably on no budget, because Victory probably didn't give you any money. Uh, talk me through how no, that, yeah, how that came about, it. who had the idea, and how that happened, because it's a super funny video. Um, our friend Sharon, I think her name is Sharon Mooney. It's been a long time since we hung out. Um, but she she was a friend of ours who directed it, and uh, if we gave her any money, it was very little. It was out <laughs> of our pocket. Um, yeah. But it was kind of like... we it was it was kind of a mix of people's ideas. Like our old bass player, Paul had, um, had a pretty good stake in like the, the, in coming up with that video. Um, but we basically, we had like our, our roadie buddy Hunter. Um, we were like, Oh, we want, you know, we wanted to be like a kind of a spinoff of like an eighties video or something. Whereas this is like bomb finds his DH tape. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> kicks him out and he freaks out. And then, you know, he ends up like rocking out in the van. So it was, it was very much like, you know, a takeoff of that, like a twisted sister kind of video or something <laughs> cheesy like that. No, um, I, I like that. And I like that. It, it, it really spoke to like your personalities of not, not taking yourself so seriously. Whereas like you could have made a video, you know, this is the whole concept of the interview. If there is one, is this whole you know this whole idea of you guys doing this? It's like you guys could have made some shitty, really cheesy video where you guys are just wearing all black and looking serious into the camera, you know. Um, mm. And we wouldn't be talking about that video right now. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, uh, I mean we've we've made those videos too. Of course, yeah, <laughs> of know, course but, you have. I know. The, I mean, you have to right. eventually. Those aren't, those aren't the ones that. Uh, that I think resonate with people as much <laughs> yeah. as, as when they can see, you know, like the, you know, I mean, we're living in the day and age where people have complete like transparency of the artists that they like, you know, they're looking at their Twitters and their uh, Instagrams and, you know, sending direct messages back and forth with their fans and stuff, you know, or, or whatever. It's like a totally, totally different world, you know? So. And, and, and with you, like, in terms of that shit, um, coming from a different world and now having this just be a thing, uh, how much of you guys, I know you guys have embraced some of it, like, I know you guys are doing, Mike's doing podcasts, um, you guys have, like, a Darkest Hour beer, uh, you know, all this, like, these things, how much of that are you stoked about doing all that, or how much of it is, like, I just kind of want to, like, make records and tour and not really have to worry about my social status because it seems like Mike is more of the front man of the band than you are in some ways. Well, he's definitely the mouth, you know, yeah. and, uh, of, uh, you know, of the band and, and he, you know, it's me and him started together, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, it's his band, you know, it's my band too, but <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't really know how to describe it, but uh, um, what were we saying? I know I asked you like a lot of questions at one time. Uh, oh well, yeah. I mean, I, that I can, Mike. Yeah, I mean, it's he also he's just you know the person who like talks the most gets heard the most. You know what I mean? And uh, it's it's funny. I've always thought that like I've always found it interesting that to me guitar players usually seem to be the the loudest most outgoing people and uh a lot of times the singers are you know just these kind of like laid back mm-hmm. you know whatever people and then they get on stage and scream at people it's an interesting yeah so would you say there. would you say your personality is more like introverted at least like when you're not on stage i would say so yeah yeah um you know, I'm not. I, I'm not. I'm say I'd, not going to say I don't like doing interviews because that. Right. But I, I don't normally do them, and I mean, this is a comfortable one because, because <laughs> you're a lead singer, and I can just tell. You know. Right. Well, <laughs> that's the other thing, and, and people can't. People know they can't bullshit me, which is fun, and I know, uh, so that makes it fun too. You know that we can just have a conversation. Like I don't know how to interview somebody. I just just talk. You know. Yeah, the la- the last interview I did was a podcast with with Mike, and he was interviewing me, so it was also totally cool and oh, yeah. comfortable. Yeah, no, absolutely. But yeah, it is interesting. Like I, I've something else I've noticed lead singer wise is it's it's always it's almost always the person I connect to in the bands that we tour with is is the lead singer. You know, like this lead singers club kind of thing. Yeah, like like nine times out of ten, that's the person whose number I end up getting or. You know, ended up end up hanging out with later. It's 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 interesting. Yeah, I think that's true. I find drummers have the biggest kinship in bands. I always see like drummers talking about gear and asking oh, each yeah. other what fucking like drum heads they use or whatever. Like shit, I could just care less about. Um, yeah, you know. But I find sometimes actually some lead singers, and these aren't the ones that I end up giving my phone number to. Some of them though, there like seems to be a some kind of competition or something. Like you're the enemy. Like oh sure, and that those you know I hate that that idea that happens between lead singers. But you're I right. Mean, if I if I ever if I ever get that vibe from someone, I immediately just think they're a dipshit and yeah. cut off. You know, it's over. communication with them. So <laughs> yeah, I'm I, I'm only in, I'm only I only get a, I only have a kinship with down to earth singers. You know, yeah, well, I hope so. Um, so. So, but it, but it's funny. I think there's yeah. a, I think there is a reasoning behind that too, and it's because, you know, we we go through some the same things, kind of like emotionally when we're performing. You know, we're, you know, it's not like you know you're the one with the mic. You're 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 the one in the front. You know, you're the. It's not like all eyes are on you, but, you know, you are like right there in the front, and you are, using your voice, which is. Another thing that makes, you know, lead singers so self-conscious, I think, is because your voice is your voice and it's and it's the only voice that sounds like that unless you mimic somebody else or whatever. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's not like you can grab a different amp and change it up or whatever. You know, it's like you're, you're stuck with what you got. And um, I think that it coming from inside your body as opposed to just like making it on on an instrument just makes it kind of a more just a more emotional experience in general like it's it's a lot more personal you know when i 
and you know, like when I get off stage, like I'm, I need like, you know, five minutes to just like chill out and like decompress because I'm like, holy fuck, that was a goddamn intense, you know, yeah, you know, uh, exchange of, um, shit there with the audience, you know? So, right. I mean, I mean, you write most of the lyrics, I assume. Yeah, yeah, I write. Well, I, I write. Um, I write all the lyrics nowadays. Like when we first started, um, when we first started. Uh, Mike was writing some. I was writing some, and then we'd have other members come in every once in a while and do like one or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I guess around undoing ruin is when I started writing. Pretty much all of them. And is it? Uh, I mean, nine records in. Is it getting harder and harder to write lyrics? It's getting. It is getting harder and harder to write lyrics, especially because you know you're. We have a certain you know like vibe with the lyrics. Like to me, the lyrics have always been this kind of like, uh, you know, like therapeutic way to kind of get out all the negative shit inside me, you know, like, uh, you know, like, a, and so that being said, you're pretty, it's not really necessarily one dimensional, but your dynamic is limited because it's not like I'm going to be up there like singing about flowers and stuff, which <laughs> yeah. would be funny, I guess, but you know, it just doesn't work. And, you know, there's only... So, you know, you're partially limited when you're doing, when you're screaming extreme metal, you know, you, your, your vocabulary is somewhat limited because, um, and then after, and then add like doing eight, nine records on top of that. Yeah. I definitely, you know, write stuff down and I'm like, ah, shit, that's a lyric on another record. (laughs) I know. That's so funny. Let me change it a little bit. And, uh, yeah. That's funny because we're we're recording, uh, working on we're working on our eighth record right now, and a couple times I'm writing lyrics and I write a line I'll be like that's cool, and I'll have to Google it to make sure I didn't use it already <laughs> because uh, I yeah, can't dude, remember I wrote like a hundred songs or whatever I can't remember every single one. And dude, I have to Google my lyrics all the time because <laughs> I, especially like we just did this um, for our last record we did this Indiegogo crowd uh, yeah. sourcing thing. And um, one of the one of the perks we did was I wrote a bunch of handwritten lyrics out for people. I ended up having to do like ninety or something of oh them. Oh my and god, what a nightmare! So people picked some, uh, yeah. So people picked some pretty obscure songs, you know. And I was just sitting there like, how the fuck does that song go? And then I'll Google the lyrics and I'll look at um, the lyrics on the whatever lyric site, and they're like totally fucking wrong, right? <laughs> you know. Yeah. So I don't know if you've ever noticed that, but so oh, yeah, many of those time. lyric sites just... Especially with and the streaming, man, because it's hard to understand. Yeah, and then and then once one person posts the wrong lyrics, then all the other sites post them or whatever. And yep. It's it's really funny. So I'd, I'd, you know, I'd look up the lyrics and I'd be like, ah, shit, that's not right. And then I'd just have to sit there and listen to the song and, you know, pause it every five seconds. And, you know, what's funny about that is there's been a couple times where, actually, we had a record come out like the record got leaked. I don't remember which record it was. And so somebody had, you know, written out all the lyrics, what they thought I was saying. And a couple of the lyrics that were wrong were actually cooler than the lyrics I'd actually said. 
So oh, I yeah. just so I just went with those ones. So they're actually like not what I said, but in the booklet because it came out after. Uh, That's amazing. It's, so someone, whoever out there, actually wrote my lyrics for me, but not really. Yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> so that's that's really funny. Uh but man, that's that's I can't believe you did 90, 90 lyric sheets. Like we did a pre-order once where we uh-huh. were, we were going to do we had like a 14 track record. So I was going to do 14 of them. But uh-huh. then the uh the label fucked up and like didn't didn't put in the like stock. So they like kept selling. And I <clears> think <throat> they sold like 42 before it got taken down. And I did 42 like handwritten lyric sheets, and I thought like my arm was gonna fall off. Man, it took forever. Yeah, that shit hurts after a while, man. It's crazy. Uh, and I just get started getting messier and messier, and they got shittier and shittier. Yeah, mine. Uh, I'm, I'm, my handwriting is already really, really awful. So, <laughs> um, you know, but whatever. I, I've that when I am writing lyrics, it's usually in this kind of like frantic state. So. It is kind of representative of what it's like when I write lyrics, you know? Yeah. No, absolutely, man. Because that's, I don't know about you, but that's, for me, it's almost always like that. It's like, you know, either I sit there for an hour and and nothing happens and I get frustrated, or I sit down and everything just like pours out and I've got like a whole song in like five minutes, you know? Yeah, it is crazy how that happens. Yeah. Yeah, so, and it's um, always the best stuff is always the stuff that comes out like that. Just like it's like flowing out of you and you don't even know you can't even like describe it what's happening. It's just like there's a line, there's a line, there's a line, and they all rhyme, they all work, and they're all it is it is a crazy thing. Yeah, man. It's like your brain takes over your hand and just puts <laughs> a bunch of weird shit down, you know. So uh yeah, so record number nine out now. Uh you guys did some crowdfunding. Is that the first time you've done that? Uh, that is the first time we've done that. And yeah. how did you feel about that? I mean, obviously coming from a background where that wasn't a thing when you guys started the band, I'm sure if someone was like, hey, yeah, when you do your ninth record, like, this is going to be the way it's done, you wouldn't have believed them. Like, how was that approach, and are you feeling pretty good about it? I feel good about it, yeah. I mean, it, you know, it was like, it was mixed feelings at first, um, you know, when they were first, uh, when our, our management was throwing, first throwing the idea out there. because you know it's 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 kind of like i think some bands have have done it to the point where it's kind of like uh this cheesy thing and they're or or they're like we basically wanted it to be like a a, make it more like a pre-order type situation you know right yeah um and um and also just like you know when you think about it it is kind of you know even though we ended up putting it on a label because we didn't want it to kind of fade away into obscurity. Um, you know, it is a pretty punk rock way to make a record to self, you know, self fund it and have people that actually care about it. People that are already, you know, emotionally invested in your band and that are going to buy it anyways, you know? So it's like, why the fuck not? I don't know if, um, I don't know if we do it again just because, it was uh, kind of a pain in the ass, but like logistically a pain in the ass. Legit, yeah, logist- and you know, to be honest, that was pretty much, you know, I can't complain because that was almost all on Mike, you know. So <laughs> yeah, but then you know, the good thing about, but then when Southern Lord decided or asked us if they could put it out, first of all, we were stoked because it's one, you know, they're like 
one of the sickest metal labels out right now. Um, but, uh, they were really cool and they ended up, um, fulfilling like a lot of our obligations for that. You know, we, we got all the stuff together and gave it to them and they ended up like shipping it out for us and everything. So they helped out a lot with that too. Um, but it, it was, it was interesting, you know, like it's, I think it's, I think you have to keep an open mind if you're in a band about what's happening. And I think if you are one of these kind of, you know, angry old dudes that, you know, can't keep up with the times, then, you know, you're just going to fade away, you know? Right. Absolutely, man. That's absolutely agree with you. Uh, cool. So you guys, you're, uh, what's this project you're doing now? Uh, you're going uh, to Vegas. What, what, uh, what's the show? What's the band? Um, it's a band I've been, I've been doing for a couple of years now out here in LA and, uh, it's called the primals and, uh, we're kind of like, um, it's, I'm, I'm the singer, guitarist, primary songwriter. And, um, my friend Andrew, who's also from DC, who grew up in the hardcore scene as well as the, is the drummer and our friend Chad, um, from a band called dead to fall is, uh, oh, yeah. You remember them, yeah? Victory he's, alumni, he's, he, yes. Yep, yep. So he's he's out here too, and I reconnected with him. He plays bass with us, and another friend from DC, Nikhil, is out playing guitar with us now. But um, we're not, you know, hardcore. We're kind of like it's kind of like a mix of like I was saying, the stuff I grew up with was more like Nirvana, Smashing Pumpkins kind right. of stuff. It's kind of like a mix of you know that kind of stuff with with punk and hardcore kind of stuff you know yeah that's that's awesome so um but yeah we have um we have like one demo out right now and we have uh actually have like a whole new second record ready to go that we're going to try to record in the next cool. few is there months. a link uh, you can plug right now so people can find out about about the, the primals um yeah I, I don't know what the link is but if, if you or, we're on spotify okay it's on spotify um, cool it's on Spotify, it's on iTunes, um, and it's on Bandcamp. Okay. Um, there's, just don't confuse, there's, an, I guess there's, a, at some point there was another The Primals from Los Angeles. Oh, but, great. Uh, <laughs> so we're the one with the, like, you know, the weird painting as the cover. <laughs> Perfect. Um, <laughs> that's, that's pretty But yeah, funny. so that's, that's, that's been a, that's been a really cool thing for me, um, and interestingly, enough like i think um it's had like a it's had in doing you know something else it's all like singing with this band you know and, and mm -hmm. a little bit of screaming here and there but it's mostly singing and i think it's it's kind of had like an impact on on dh in a weird way because you know our our last record before this one the self-titled one it was our first with travis our first with um aaron deal and uh so we kind of had this new band and we were kind of it was almost like we were fully rediscovering our sound so we were, we were going all over the place there was you know clean singing all over that record yeah. and uh all sorts of stuff and and you know i i love singing pretty you know but uh i i kind of like learned through that through doing that record and through doing my other stuff that it's not exactly i don't really feel like it has much place in darkest hour i feel like yeah darkest hour is and has all has always been, you know, uh, you know, dark, aggressive, angry, you know, 
metallic hardcore music, you know, and mm -hmm. I think that that's what people love about the band. I think that's what people want to hear about the band. And um, so it's cool. Like I, I found like another outlet for, you know, my pretty singing voice. So, right. That's no, that's perfect. And I mean, I think, you know, you've been doing this same band for so long. It's all, it's great to, to expand on, you know, music and do other things. So that's awesome. Uh, how did you end up in LA? You live in LA now, uh, from growing up in DC. How, how did you move out there? Um, I ended up out here because I was, well, I lived in, uh, I moved to New York from DC six and, um, was living there for about years. I was doing like a, you know, I was doing like a little like psych rock band with some friends up there and stuff. And, um, had like a cool gallery and art, had like a cool job at an art gallery and stuff and had a pretty sweet little New York life. And then around like the, 2008 uh financial collapse like i lost my job and stopped playing with the guys that i was playing with and i was just kind of like getting over not being able to escape the city you know i didn't have a car or anything in new york right. is just you know as you know it's just non-stop city you know there's no escape from people or anything right <laughs> and um i came out here uh my mother moved out here like a while back and i came out to visit her for a week and um i don't know i was just like driving around i was driving up the coast and like through the canyons and i was like fuck this is this is this is what i want <laughs> you know right. so um yeah just kind of packed everything up and uh moved out here so and, you're still, um, are you still doing a, a like working a job on the side as well as the band yeah i mean you know we we still you know we still make money when we go on tour and stuff and when we make records and have a budget and whatnot yeah but um yeah i mean i'll do all sorts of crap to make money you know i did uh <clears throat> i did when i when i was first out here i was doing process serving that was really interesting like the like what's that movie pineapple express <laughs> you know oh yeah, yeah serving yeah. people papers yeah <laughs> um you know doing like delivery jobs and i used to do did like random carpentry jobs and crap so yeah i just kind of pick up stuff here and there Oh, when cool, I'm not yeah. um, when I'm not touring, I record some bands sometimes. Um, this past year, I did a few podcast jingles. Oh, really? That was uh, yeah, yeah. That was really cool. So yeah, it's very cool. Starting starting to get into a little, trying to get into a little more of that. You know, just composing and stuff. So fantastic, man! That sounds yeah. awesome. Well, I don't take up too much of your time. Uh, what's coming up? You guys are going to Europe. Parkway Drive, that should be a pretty big tour. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's... I saw, like, a picture of their Munich show, and there's, like, 6,000 people there. And yeah, they, they're insanely big. They have, like, a they have like a rotating Tommy Lee drum riser. So. <laughs> have you toured with them before? We've toured with them before, yeah. We toured with them... We, we had them supporting us in 2008 in the States. Right. Um and uh, I think that was kind of right around when they were like starting to to, to get big or whatever. Yeah. Um, so we're we're buds with them. Yeah, they're um, cool. They're they're like the kind of band, and, and I I I know them because the first time we ever went to Australia, we slept in the singer's parents' house. They were on tour, but they let us stay at their parents' house, and we slept in the garage. And like his dad's like a doctor, and like took us out on his motorcycle, and they're like the coolest like little hippie like vegan family. 
Like it's oh, awesome. Wow. So those are like totally sick. like a metal band that's a big, big metal band that totally comes from punk rock and gets it too. So oh, uh, yeah. yeah, so that's that's a, I always I think that's a good fit for you guys. That's sick. Yeah, it's always cool to get up there and you know, play in front of thousands of people. Yeah, it's gonna be really fun, man. That's great. Uh so interestingly you- enough, like I, I I get less nervous when there's uh like five or ten or fifty thousand people. I know. It's, it's so weird, you know? man. When it's just like a sea of people, you're just kinda like whatever. It's not it's like you're it's like not individuals anymore or something. Yeah, yeah. And then when you play totally. like a basement show and there's like 20 people and like two of them are like hot chicks, you're like, oh, is this girl like looking at me? What's going on? Like yeah. <laughs> you're all self-conscious. Like for me, that's it's I'm absolutely the same way as you. Like the smaller the show, the more nervous I am. Yeah, totally. It's it's that's the way it is, man. It's crazy. It's totally Cuz you kind crazy. of like, you know, when you're doing those big concerts, to get back to the concert thing, when you're you know, you're it's a different kind of show, you know, you're more up there, you know, vibing with yourself than you, you know, and projecting that outwards than you are, you know, vibing at people individually and having someone like, you know, having someone, you know, kick you in the head or. Yeah. Yeah. I'm laughing because I'm thinking of the, we, we played this uh, festival in Germany. Um, uh, it's called the Vainstream. And, uh, oh yeah, that's a great one. Yeah, it's a really good festival. They do a really, really, really good job, and it's like pretty big. I, I'm not sure if it's like thirty thousand or it's like it's not like one of the I huge, think it's huge like, ones. When we did it, it was like yeah, twenty. When we did it, it was like twenty, thirty thousand. Yeah, like it's, that, it's yeah. like it's like middle, middle of the road, but still big. And yeah. when you're on the main stage and stuff, and it's funny because I I totally ate shit. Like I I was trying to step up onto the like riser, and I just oh, like yeah. didn't didn't get my foot all the way up, and I tripped, and I totally just like rolled. And uh, and I was like laughing at myself and like couldn't sing because I was still laughing and everyone on the side stage, you know, all my friends are laughing at me and everything. And, you know, I don't know. I kind of shook it off and didn't care. But you but man, for the next year, every time we played that part of Germany, every kid was like, oh, I see you fall. I see you fall on the stage. Oh, the, Germ- <laughs> the Germans don't forget, dude. <laughs> no, man. <laughs> No, they don't. They don't. No, my my favorite thing is the review. We call it the review, where uh, uh-huh. where the Germans they come up to you after the show and they go, uh, "John, John, um, uh, pretty good show last time, much better." Oh, that's that. Uh, we've <laughs> we've had the exact same conversation in our band many many times. You know, <laughs> it's such a German like, uh, thing. This, I love it. This new uh, this new record is. Um, you know, it's it's okay. It's uh, it's a it's a bit shit. Um, <laughs> a bit compared, shit. <laughs> uh, it's a bit shit compared to uh, last record. You know, You're like oh, well, I'm glad you like something. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's so true, and we have a lot of German listeners to this podcast. So hello, Germans. We do love. Well, you. I, I hope I hope and you realize we're not making fun of you, and we. we well, love, we kind of are, but but we love the German. We yeah, do love yeah, them, and they're like the it's best. Good fun, and they're the best probably the best rock music market like in the world like they actually care and the reason and they some say of the this most thing, loyal i think some of the oh, most yeah. loyal uh metal fans totally in, in existence you know and there's they say this to you because they actually care you know what i mean yeah, they oh, actually yeah. listen because totally a lot of places they don't really listen they're just kind of there because something to do 
And yeah, or they just want to hear themselves talk like most oh, people. Oh, yeah. Well, that's true, too. Man. <laughs> well, hey, dude, thanks for taking the time. Um, anything else to add? I know you got the new record out now. Uh, people could check it out and come see you on tour. Anything else? Yeah, no, that's it. Check it out. Check out the new record on Southern Lord and hope uh, hope everybody likes it. Yeah, out man. Out there in podcast land. And have a good time in Vegas. I hope the show uh, show is a lot of fun and you use your pretty voice. Yeah, man. I'll, sing, I'll be singing pretty. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks, John. Sweet. Well, yeah, thanks All for best, having man. me, man. Of course. All Take right. care, man. Take care. All right, bye. Thanks, dude. So there it is with John. What a dude. Uh, I feel like he warmed up to me as the interview went along. And I am a huge fan of Dark Star, so this was really cool for me. Next week, we will be back with another guest, a female guest. I'm super excited about this one. And make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on anything. Now, it's hard for me to pick a Darkest Hour song to play, but my story earlier in the episode where I talk about seeing the band for the first time and never really seeing a band like that before, a band that married punk rock and, and metal and hardcore all together like Darkest Hour did, and this song is one that they played at their show, and I'm going to play it right now. It's an oldie but a goodie from So Sedated, So Secure. Here is an epitaph on Lee Singer Syndrome. Peace and love. We'll see you next week.
Hey, you're still here. I almost forgot, but I've been talking about all the great podcasts that are on the Jabberjohn Media Network, which is the little thing you hear at the beginning of the episode every week. And actually, this podcast I'm going to talk about this week, I was just on it just a, about a month or two months ago. It's called The Future of What. It is super, super cool. And uh, here's what I have to say about it. We all listen to music, but what's happening behind the scenes can be a mystery, even for insiders. Get a look into the recording industry with the Future of What podcast. Each week, host and Kill Rock Stars president, Portia Sabin, delves into a topic of interest to music industry professionals and fans alike by discussing important issues with great people who work every day to help artists succeed. Upcoming episodes include conversations with Open Mike Eagle, Top Shelf Records, and a peek at how songs make it onto hit shows like Atlanta. Find the future of what online at killrockstars.com slash the future of what, or just search for it on your favorite podcast app. Thanks a lot, everybody. We'll see you next time. Bye.